The footballing world mourns Diego Maradona, El Diego, World Cup winner, footballing legend, one of probably arguably we can say the father of football. Uh, it's a very sad moment for football. Even though he retired in uh, 97 actually, very fairly recently, he's always been part of the sport. You can see how passionate he was as a fan, as a player as well with his celebrations. And it's really hard to believe Diego Maradona has, uh, has moved on. He's, well, he was more of a football icon more of like a cult-like figure for Napoli and Argentina, what he'd done for those teams, for those clubs, and yeah, he was, he was really going to be missed. Yeah, it just seems like it was just yesterday when he was at the World Cup uh, 2018 in Russia, and you just remember those moments, that game for Argentina against Nigeria, and you see Maradona in the crowd, and he completely stole the, the attention from the game itself at the beginning, dancing and, and screaming and cheering. And you can see uh, the passion Diego had uh, has for football. And, and he came there to support his nation. And, and thank God that night, uh, Argentina actually managed to get the win. Mm-hmm. So Diego managed to at least witness that moment. Uh, it's sad uh, considering that um, 2022 might be Lionel Messi's final World Cup. Uh, I would have really loved uh, Maradona to be there uh, to witness yeah. it because mm-hmm. who knows, it, it's his last World Cup and uh, he could win it. You never know. And if he does win it, what, what a moment it would have been if Diego was there to, to see it. But We've lost an icon of the game. Uh, he will forever be remembered. Uh, Diego Maradona's impact on the game uh, is, is something that is undeniable. No matter what generation of football fan uh, you are, Diego Maradona's impact uh, on the game is undeniable. Absolutely. And it's very touching to see all teams, uh, all players in the world um, showing their condolences with a minute silence and uh, Messi. We're going to talk about afterwards. He showed his, uh, I think, boy was it his Newell's, boyhood? Newell's old boys uh, team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, both Messi and Maradona played. Mm. Uh, very touching. It's very touching. And uh, yeah, speaking about teams around the world, uh, amazing performances in uh, match day ten from your boy Riyad Mahrez. My boy Mahrez, <laughs> finally. See, this is what happens when uh, Guardiola lets him play. Uh-huh. Let's him start, doesn't sub him off. This is what can happen. Mahrez's uh, hat trick. He was first, re- his first hat trick since 2015. Yeah. Uh, his first for City, his first uh, well, in almost five years. Yep. He was ridiculously good. I mean, his first two goals was just classical Mahrez. Like coming in from the sort of like a Robin yeah. player who said this before. Mm-hmm. Coming into the inside fake shoots he fakes he gives a dummy another dummy mm-hmm. amazing first two goals and uh, a nice head at the end to finish it off and and I think uh, I think with Riyad Mahrez you, uh, the comparison to, to Robin is accurate but I think Mahrez's weak foot is, is, is far superior to Robin's right uh, so he has that uh, unpredictable aspect when he cuts in because he can also shoot with his right, uh, unlike Arjen Robben. But still, Arjen Robben was unstoppable, despite people knowing where he's going to go. 
and and the same applies to to Mahrez. What a performance! I mean, a hat trick like that. Uh, he should. This game should solidify his place in the starting Absolutely. lineup, or at least mm-hmm. uh, make Guardiola consider uh, giving him at more minutes than than the. the yeah, he has no excuse. He has no excuse now not yeah. to play Mahrez. I mean, yeah. after a performance like that, even though if it's against Burnley, I mean, I feel like he could perform even better against bigger teams. But I mean, it's up to Guardiola if he believes that his performance was enough. I mean, this is Guardiola we're talking about, so we never know, but uh, amazing performance by Mahrez. Um, and Gundogan as well, he helped with the midfield. Mm-hmm. He helped channel the ball to De Bruyne, to Mahrez. De Bruyne as well got two assists. De Bruyne, what a, what a, I, I honestly, the, the best midfielder in the world yeah, uh, I can agree at with the that. moment. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and he, might have, he might have a few bad games here and there, but the games that De Bruyne decides to show up in, the performances are absolutely out of this world. Uh, there is no other midfielder in the world that uh, can produce what Kevin De Bruyne uh, produces for Manchester City and Belgium. He's a fantastic player. And uh, also Gundogan, what a performance as well. I remember his days at uh, Borussia Dortmund when, when they had that team with Lewandowski, Royce, and, and that beautiful Borussia Dortmund team and Gundogan was one of those players that I wanted mm-hmm. Barcelona to sign back then because of the flair and the technique that he had and his ability to create chances and we all saw that in the game against uh, Real Madrid the 4-1 game that uh, Borussia I remember won. that yeah. uh, you remember that game well. 20, 2013 <laughs> uh, he had a fantastic game uh, there and when he came to City uh, the problems were the back injuries and the problems with his uh, health and that's been the major, uh, what is it, uh, the, the, the thing that stinted his growth the most at Manchester City. Otherwise, he would have been uh, definitely one of the best midfielders in the world if mm-hmm. it weren't for injuries and inconsistencies here and there. But yeah, fantastic player, Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, Mahrez, of course, top performance. Uh, hope we see more of mm-hmm. Riyad Mahrez now that he's done that. It's uh, like you said, it's against Burnley. I, I, yeah. I know it's not against uh, Liverpool or, <laughs> you know, the big teams, mm-hmm. but a hat-trick is a hat-trick. And when a player like Riyad Mahrez scores a hat-trick, uh, I think the coach should uh, compliment, it, uh, compliment him on that. He should be getting more chances uh, from now on. And it does a lot for the player's confidence. If, if a player scores a hat-trick and, and, and the coach decides to bench him, then uh, what do you think, uh, what kind of message does it, send to to everyone else mm-hmm. but yeah Riyad Mahrez fantastic performance yeah he yeah. came after two great games with Algeria uh, in the mm-hmm. African Cup of Nations qualifiers he helped Algeria qualify and I mean his second his second game against Zimbabwe I believe amazing touch did you see it yeah amazing touch yeah, I think yeah, a fellow yeah. Premier League player Saeed uh, Nahma mm-hmm. crossed long ball over to him oh, sublime Sublime touch, and he's he's on a hot streak, Mahrez. So because it should be interesting to see whether he continues this sort of form. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's looking very promising. Uh, who else? Who else do we have? We had a lot of interesting games in, in the league as well. Uh, Spurs, uh, Chelsea. Not not the most interesting game. I, I don't know why I mentioned that first. As it was very uh, defensive, uh, defensive game. I mean, Chelsea has a. Yeah, classical, classical Mourinho type game. In if you notice this uh, with Jose Mourinho, uh, you're gonna see this happen a lot. Games like this against the top six, 
this is Jose Mourinho at his finest. Uh, his football might not be the most attractive, but it gets results. And right now, he's getting the results for Spurs. Yeah, I mean, it's a classical Mourinho performance. I mean, it was against Chelsea. He did say that going at Chelsea, drawing at Chelsea is not a bad thing, but exactly. his players were... They believe that they could have got the win. I believe so, that they, they could have, but Kurt Zuma, another solid performance by him, rapidly becoming one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, with Mendy, another uh, another clean sheet, five clean sheets for him. Uh, Conte, proving his uh, credentials defensively and going forward as well. So Chelsea have a solid team when it comes to defence. Ziyech though, he could have played better. He was a little bit quiet. Yeah, wasn't 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 his best game. Wasn't I think he game. knew it. I think he knew it when. You saw him walk, walking off the pitch. He mm-hmm. knew it wasn't his game. But uh, it's it's his first season at Chelsea. We've seen what he can produce, and I do have uh, faith that he's gonna he's gonna be one of the best players for Chelsea this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he needs to do more. I mean, he only had one solid season, a solid performance mm-hmm. a couple of weeks back. I think three assists, I believe, yeah. three or three or four assists, and uh, and Timo Werner was silenced by uh, Serge Aurier. Uh, Solid performance pocketed. by pocketed. <laughs> that's a good word for it. Pocketed uh, by Ore in, in a ton of defense, but again, that just proves uh, Mourinho's tactics. It may not be the most uh, enjoyable to watch, most entertaining, but it works. And I guess Tottenham are still top of the league. Chelsea are third. Tottenham are top of the league. Both got one point today. I think that they'll both be happy with it. Um, just goes to show that both teams are extremely strong and both are title contenders really yeah uh, I see I, I do see like I said before I do see Spurs uh, and Chelsea being the, the top two contenders with Liverpool and City if City decide to pick up the form which they did this week and hopefully they can continue that form uh, for us to have a more entertaining season but no, uh, I, I do see uh, a lot of other teams struggling as well. Arsenal losing 2-1 to Wolves at home. Uh, I don't know what's happening at the Arsenal camp. It's uh, their third uh, successive home loss. Yep. Uh, that, that first time since uh, 1977, I believe. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how bad things no, are. It's, it's not going well for, for Arsenal. And, and it's, uh, it's a problem for them because right now, uh, Arteta is in a position that Emery was in. Uh, yeah. Now I'm seeing a lot of Arsenal fans turn on on Arteta. Mm-hmm. When when one month and a half ago they were saying you know Arteta is getting the trouble this season. No, no, no. I, I, they didn't say that, but y- you get what I'm saying. Yeah, he uh, ended last the, the, season very strongly. He did. He yeah, won the he, FA Cup, beat Chelsea in the final, then beat mm-hmm. Liverpool in the Community Shield, and uh, it, things looked. Uh, impressive. I mean, there there was some potential for Arsenal uh, this season, but I don't know what happened. Uh, I think it's been since since the squad announcements, since they've announced their squad for the Europa League and yeah. the Premier League, which mm-hmm. excluded uh, your boy Mesut Ozil. Uh, the team's been struggling. I'm not even joking. It's literally since then, since that moment when they announced the, the lineup. Yeah. Arsenal have been struggling. So it's the curse of Ozil. Uh, the curse of Ozil. It's it's <laughs> it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. They, they they've been they've mm-hmm. been literally on a downhill uh, trajectory since the announcements of those uh, two squads, and it's it's uh, it's fascinating to see. 
and I don't know. Uh, do you think Arteta gets fired by my January if he continues to play like this? Well, I think January is the time for them to rebuild. I believe. I mean, Thomas Partey is out injured, oh and uh, it's uh, confirmed that it's the injury is worse than previously uh, expected. And I mean, January is their only chance to sort of strengthen their squad. What they need, we've said this before, midfield. They have nothing to offer in midfield and they're just losing game, game after game after game. And their attackers, Lacazette didn't even play yesterday. Yep. And Aubameyang is just not... Not performing. Not performing Since that contract all. signing, since that new contract was signed, Aubameyang has been... Uh, his performances have been yeah, I mean, up to par. His career so far has been, what, 24 plus goals consecutively, I think, for like a number of seasons now. And... I mean, he's only got... How many goals does he have this season? Aubameyang, I mean... Not much. Not much. I mean, his last goal was a penalty against United. And, well, it is a goal, but not really from outward play. So that that just goes to show Arsenal are really in trouble waters. And let's not uh, forget Raul Jimenez. Horrendous injury. Horrendous the, 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 these injuries in all the leagues they keep piling up they keep piling up and it goes back to what Jurgen Klopp was saying about the need to protect players the yeah. need for five substitutions instead of three the problem of the international break absolutely uh, mm-hmm. there's just too many games in the season honestly and you see this uh, example of injuries and problems in all the leagues it's not just in, in the Premier League it's not just in Germany it's not just in Spain it's around the entire continent and it's uh, it's a problem for clubs. It's a problem uh, for for the big clubs, because you you get your players going out on international duty, and and you're you're there uh, sitting back at home praying, please please don't come back with injuries or, or COVID. You know, <laughs> that's the state of of, of uh, club fans these days. That's the state of, of of fans. Every time there's an international break, it's like you you better hope it's not your player. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 not uh, it's not a fun experience. I think it affects the game and the quality of of, of these leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if half these teams uh, have their main players missing, uh, the quality of the games are is going to be affected. And, Absolutely. And with the lack of fans already, the atmosphere is is, is kind of dead. Mm-hmm. And you add that to it as well. It it it's it's just getting worse and worse for football. It's yeah. getting less entertaining in a way. Fans will definitely talk about the topic of fans returning. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jurgen Klopp has mentioned Chris Wilder, Sheffield United manager. Him, I think he and maybe a couple of other managers, literally a handful, were against the rule of uh, five substitutions, uh, where 14 or 15 managers of the Premier League were for the five substitutions. So it's really hard, especially for Jurgen Klopp with all the injuries he has and the VAR decisions that go against him. That's <laughs> I mean, very hard. Yeah, yeah. What, it's a hard goes, goes, what goes around comes back around for yeah. Jurgen Klopp. Last season, Liverpool, uh, uh, VAR was pretty questionable, uh, questionable when it came to Liverpool last season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it makes sense to have five substitutions. I yeah, mean, I don't see there's nothing does, wrong does, with it. Does. And especially, especially when, when all the other leagues have five subs. Exactly. Champions League has five subs. The Premier so, League is supposed to be like the leader exactly. of the the top league in the world, and we don't we don't want to change. Yeah, I don't know why. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You're you're literally putting your clubs at a disadvantage when they go out in Europe mm-hmm. and play in the Champions League. 
what benefit does having three subs uh, in the league while everyone else has five? Uh, what benefit does that have? Nothing. It doesn't have any benefits, and and it's a problem for 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 Premier League clubs going out in Europe. Luckily for them, they haven't been that bad in Europe this season. Uh, Liverpool have been okay. Uh, Manchester United uh, surprisingly beat PSG in the first leg, and and that's also another thing with Manchester United. They lose games to to mid table and lower tier uh, clubs, and then they go and beat PSG away yeah. from Inco- home. Just inconsistency, inconsistency uh, at the club. But yeah, um, the fans is is definitely a big topic to talk about. Uh, the return of two thousand fans to mm-hmm. stadiums in the Premier League. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Uh, I'll, I'll 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 go after you. <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of mixed feelings because first of all, yes, fans are coming back to stadiums yeah, yeah. for the first time in nine months. This is what clubs have been waiting for but at the same time it's only 2,000 fans mm-hmm. I mean I don't see 2,000 fans in a stadium like the Emirates or Stamford Bridge or the Olympic Stadium making any effect or like during games if why is it only 2,000 fans when for example there are stadiums that can hold 68,000 80,000 plus what who picked 2,000 I feel that if 2,000 fans are allowed in stadiums What's stopping them from pushing it to 5,000 or 10,000? If they keep to strict COVID-19 measures, I feel that 2,000 fans is pretty offensive. <laughs> it's literally, why only 2,000? It's not going to make a difference. It's not. And plus, it's going to be a weird sight, just seeing a couple of people separate or dotted around all over the stadium. Uh, it's, not, it's not a good look. It's not going to make a difference, but I guess for certain Premier League clubs, especially clubs in London and and in the Premier League, it, financially, it could help. I guess it could stabilize yeah, some things for the for the mid table and small clubs. Yeah. I think this could be uh, beneficial, but for be. the big clubs and for the atmosphere that we truly love and miss in football. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna do anything. Two thousand fans exactly. is not gonna change anything, and especially, especially with the restrictions that are being placed on those two thousand fans. I mean, well. you're going to have two thousand people travel to the stadium. How are you going to protect them from from spreading the virus? How are you going to uh, enforce social distancing? You can't have barriers from miles apart leading two thousand fans to the stadium. You can't do that. So why keep at two thousand? There's nothing stopping them from extending that to ten thousand, for example. Uh, I I guess I guess they're just um, there's just no planning how to do this safely in a way. Uh, Two thousand fans seems more manageable than ten thousand or more. Uh, so they're like, okay, we'll just allow two thousand, see how it goes. If there's any cases, if if you know if it goes bad, we'll just shut it down immediately. But if it goes well, we can go up from there. That's what I'm hoping it is. But at the same time, uh, when I when when fans uh, were, you know, banned from stadiums technically, were not allowed to watch games because of this pandemic. At the beginning, I was just thinking of the moment when they all come back, you know, and I didn't imagine it to be in this hectic way, and it kind of kills the fun of it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you, uh, it it kind of kills the surprise uh, aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you you're without the football games without fans for nine months, and then. 
it comes back with like full capacity that would have been more of a, like a statement Absolutely. more impactful I would have felt that more but now it's kind of like oh they're letting in 5,000 in France and then they decided you know after cases went up they decided to not do that anymore so now they're doing the whole 2,000 thing and trying to go up but it kind of removes the fun out of it honestly for me I don't see uh, I'm not any more excited than I was before because who's gonna get in from those 2,000 exactly you, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go watch games freely and, and, and do that anymore It needs to be way more than 2,000. Do you, th- do you think that audiences have an impact on how games are played, yeah. on player performance? 100%. 100%. Uh, the fans and their impact on the game is more than we think it is. Uh, yes, we, these are still professionals. They're still going to do their job uh, regardless. But with fans there, a moment like Messi's moment yesterday when he... Uh, when he showed the Newell's Old Boys shirt and, and that whole celebration and tribute to Diego Armando Maradona. I feel like we're being robbed of moments like these with the lack of fans. We are really, really, really missing out on a lot of moments. Goals that, you know, deserve to have that fan noise behind them, you know, to give that moment more impact. We are missing that big time when it comes to football. And especially for moments uh, that, that deserve that we need the fans to be there. Imagine, for example, this could be Lionel Messi's last season at Barcelona. Imagine that's how it ends after all this long career at Barcelona. He retires in front of an empty stadium. Mm-hmm. Like, just think of that thought. It's kind of depressing. It's, it's not a pleasant thought to have when it comes to football and, and the memories that we hold uh, dear to ourselves when it comes to football. So... I hope uh, this vaccine comes soon and I hope we get to witness uh, fans back at the stadium at least before Messi leaves or if he does leave I hope he doesn't but uh, yeah we need we need fans back in big capacity otherwise this 2000 fans thing is it's not going to cut it and now to of course you knew it was coming Barcelona Real Madrid let's go <laughs> Uh, what a week, what a week. I mean, I came in, I came in this week uh, pessimistic, kind of. I said that uh, we're going to win against Dynamo Kiev away from home, but I said it was going to be like a 2-1. I did not expect a 4-0 thrashing without Messi. I did not expect that at all. And it was a solid performance. I, I enjoyed every bit of that performance and it, a lot of good signs that we saw. Braithwaite, uh, new star man for the team these days. Uh, A brace against Dynamo Kiev and a goal against uh, Osasuna in the last game. Yeah, he's really proving his uh, place in the starting lineup. And it Barcelona. goes, yeah, and it goes to show you that um, the lack of planning by the the board of the team, uh, the lack of planning done by Barcelona this season, it shows you they sold Suarez and now they're back to trying to play with the nine again. They 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 really thought that they were gonna you know get by the season without a true number nine and. Seeing how Griezmann performed uh, against uh, Dynamo and Osasuna, it goes on to show you that he's not a true number nine, and he actually performs better when there is a nine up front. We saw we saw Messi, Griezmann, and the entire team uh, playing a completely different fo- uh, playing completely different football mm-hmm. than the football we've seen uh, in the past few uh, months for Barcelona, which is very uh, pleasant to witness, honestly. As a Barcelona fan, I love uh, I love the way that uh, Coman gave chances to the youngsters in both games, and it paid off. 
despite the PK uh, injury, uh, despite the recent uh, Clement Longley injury, uh, the team seems to be performing. And the only problem I guess we have is is the defense, is how thin uh, that depth in, in the defense is because almost our entire back line is injured, uh, minus the fullbacks. If PK out, Langley's out, and Titi's out, Araujo is out. So there has to be serious uh, consideration uh, by the whoever is running the, the, the club uh, in January. Uh, signings have to be uh, made in that centre-back position. Who's okay. your pick for the next president? Who's my pick? Yeah. Oh. I mean, honestly, it's a difficult I'm, one. Yeah, it's a difficult one. It's a tough one. You go with uh, someone promising you a better future, or someone reminding you of the past, how good it was, and it's it's just that's the case between. Uh, I'd go with the past. You go with the past. I'd go with the past. But the past had different elements in. Uh, Laporta back then had a Pep Guardiola as the manager with Tito Villanova as his assistant. He had a prime Iniesta, Xavi. All of these players were there. Mm-hmm. That infrastructure is no longer there uh, at Barcelona today. So I feel that with the damage that's been done to the club by Bartomeu, Rossell, and all his uh, all these gangsters, <laughs> uh, the Laporta does not have the framework to succeed uh, at Barcelona. But who am I to say uh, he can he can come in and completely bring things back and. Uh, of course, he has promises. I'm hearing he's promising uh, to bring Erling uh, Haaland from Dortmund. That's a big, Dortmund. that's a very big... That's uh, a massive promise to uh-huh. make. But at the same time, it makes you think, like, is this really what we need from uh, uh, new, our new president? Promising us big money signings again? I mean, that kind of was the problem from the beginning. But at the same time, it's Haaland. You don't want to be the one to miss out on him when you have the chance to sign him for, for 70, 80 million or something. But like they that. have to be careful because they've had big money signings before yeah. uh, we spoke about Coutinho Dembele Griezmann yes who haven't really performed well when they were brought in they yeah. weren't they didn't perform in the first couple of seasons or whatever so they have to be careful about that of course and Barcelona is not in the best position financially at the moment uh, I don't know if you've heard but um, they they recently announced a massive wage cut that the players yeah. agreed to mm-hmm. because they were forced they had to cut uh, finances because of the debt uh, that they owe mm-hmm. so I don't know how uh, financing a deal for Erling Haaland uh, would go I don't know how they would do that how Laporta would do that I don't but, see a position for him, to be fair. No, I do, as a striker. He would be fantastic as a striker up front. I feel they already have um, Braithwater, they already have him, right? But he's not a youngster, though, Braithwaite. He's not for the future, and I think he's going to be sold in the summer, unfortunately. Yeah, he's not the world-class player that we need up front. He's fantastic right now. I want him to play more now, but if we're looking long-term, uh, after potentially Messi leaving, we need a proper number nine up front. Uh and Erling Haaland is up there, him and Mbappe, as two generational stars that if you have the chance to sign, you should go for it. But yeah, um, Laporta's promising that. And there's also, of course, Laporta has a good relationship with Messi, which is another aspect. Yeah, yeah. And he has a good relationship with Pep Guardiola, which is another one as well. So if things go smoothly for Laporta, he'd bring back Pep, uh, he'd renew Messi's deal and he'd sign Erling Haaland for the team and everything would work out fine. You I know? think bringing back Pep is a stretch. He signed a contract with C until uh, 2023. Contracts, contracts are meant to be broken. 
<laughs> and I think I think uh, Pep left the team because of uh, the board of directors Bart- under Roussel and Bartomeu. Yeah, he yeah. knew he wasn't gonna get along with them, and he didn't. But I think if Laporta comes back, it might make him th- consider it at least. But in terms of Victor Font, he seems like someone with a plan. He's promising to appoint Javi. He's promising to bring back uh, club legends like Puyol, uh, working within the club again. And to bring back that FC Barcelona that we miss, the, the, the club, the more than a club Barcelona that we miss, that we haven't witnessed in a while now. And uh, he does, uh, this, this has not been something that he just, you know, realized that he wants to do. It's been planned for more than eight, nine years now, this whole campaign, mm-hmm. uh, this whole presidency run. And I do feel like uh, Font makes a lot of bold promises to the club and he seems like someone with a good plan. So I honestly, I am conflicted whether to go with Laporta or Font, but um, if it was my guess, I would go with, uh, I think I think Font is going to win the race yeah. this time. I think Laporta entered a little too late. We don't know much about his campaign, what his plans are. It's just, you know, there's this good image of Laporta that Barcelona fans have mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, he was the one behind the successful, uh, you know, winning six trophies in one season, the treble and all of the success that Barca got, signing Ronaldinho when he failed to, to sign David Beckham back then. Mm-hmm. All of these things that, uh, you know, memories of, of Laporta that Barcelona fans have. Uh, he's very cherished. He's very well respected in the club and he's very well considered to be the best president that the club has ever had. So, of course, there's a lot of emotions going into this and there's, there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, people conflicted uh, on who to go with, Font or Laporta, and it's going to be interesting to see who wins at the end. But whoever, whoever uh, may it be, I hope it's the best uh, for FC Barcelona going forward because the club has to, you know, make a return to, 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 the, to elite football again. Mm-hmm. Sp- speaking about returning to elite football, uh, Real Madrid... I thought Real Madrid returned to so-called elite football. Of course, I did predict a 3-1 loss against Inter. Varane was playing. But I was surprised that Real Madrid controlled that game. Zidane came in well-prepared. Inter hardly saw really much of the ball. I mean, Madrid just dominated that game. And Hazard scored, even though it was a penalty. And um, Hakimi scored for us. You know, missing Real Madrid times got a long goal, uh, which helped. And, uh, you know, things were looking good. I thought, yes, like, we can now put our league campaign back on track. However, as we know, we lost against Alaves, which, 2-1 against Alaves, which is, I think, a huge, huge insult. First of all, Hazard being injured. Again. Again. Again and again. He's, He's missed more games for Real Madrid in basically a season and a couple of months more so than he has seven years at Chelsea which just goes to show how much he has dropped as a player in standards in um, in everything I don't really understand like the biggest hazard to Hazard is, is himself himself, is himself. <laughs> it's insane. he's only scored three goals I mean before the inter game the first inter game I think I think I think afterwards he got COVID-19 and to make sure that he stayed out he got himself injured as well which I mean you literally can't make this up 
You should come make this up. He, he's there collecting injuries and, and collecting COVID. 150 million pounds. I mean, you have to feel sorry for Zidane. I mean, have a player like Hazard who played with injury, with weight, with uh, contracting the virus as well. I mean, it, it's really, it's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, and then the performance against Alaves. Zidane came into the game unprepared. He wasn't aware of how Alav- how strong Alaves were on the left flank. Um, he pulled Lucas Vasquez back, who played really well against Inter. He played him at front, but for this game, he played him at full back and play- decided to play Asensio in front of him, which uh, backfired big time. Uh, you can't have two wingers sort of with this like similar play styles on the left flank. And I mean, Zidane really has to take the blame for this. They are now, what, fourth, I believe? Fourth or fifth, uh, you know. Fourth, yeah, yeah. Fourth in league in table. League. They are good eight or so points behind leaders, Real Sociedad, who drew against Villarreal. Top, uh, can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, top still, of the table they're battle. They're still top, <laughs> of the t- top of the table. Like, we thought, I thought it was just going to be the first couple of games, but no, it looks like they're there to stay. <laughs> Um, Atletico Madrid with two games in hand right behind them I think this is the one point behind I think this is Atletico Madrid's league or season to lose yeah I was going to say that this is their season to lose Uh, they have no excuses I mean this is their season the league is there for the taking because Barcelona and Madrid Atletico have the team to do it they have the depth to do it they have everything going for them Barcelona Real Madrid still not hitting uh, peak form this season and uh, everything everything seems to be pointing towards their di- their direction and, and, and like you said uh, it's their league to lose it's not their league to win it's theirs to lose and uh, I just see uh, I just see this uh, Spanish league season being one of the most exciting yet honestly because mm-hmm. we have Barca Real not performing we have Atletico and Sociedad as top performers we have Villarreal you have Sevilla that you can't count out uh, at any time this league is, is heating up honestly and it's it's looking like an exciting season in the league just wish there was fans there to witness it uh, instead of the, being this uh, <laughs> this silent uh, silent games Void. being played in front of no one yeah um, I mean Real Madrid's next game against Shakhtar Donetsk who beat them 3-2 <laughs> early on in the season oh, it's um, Real Madrid are currently second uh three points ahead of uh, Shakhtar because of how inconsistent they are I can't predict again I can't really predict their next game I'll have to I'll have to go for a Real Madrid win I have to keep I have to keep faith in my yeah. team no I think I think I think I think it would be stupid to count them out and and I was gonna mention this last time before the Inter game when when you were pessimistic about Real and saying I had every right yeah, to be pessimistic. You uh, you were pessimistic about them and said you know um, they're probably gonna lose. I kind of had that feeling. Even uh, it's it's a similar thing with Real Madrid. They always show up before big games, yeah. no matter what form they're coming in. Especially exactly. we know that in El Cl- recent El Clasicos how they've played despite um, despite uh, coming in those games uh, with horrible form losses and not being the best team they are and still they they come and they show up they completely show up uh, on this on uh, when the occasion needs it and again um, fascinating mm-hmm. again Courtois making a huge mistake laying in an Alaves goal like 
defensively, <laughs> we said this last week, the same thing. Defensively, Real Madrid defensively, and their goalkeeper have just been really poor. Really poor. I don't know what, what's, what's up with these goalkeepers and their mistakes. You had Kepa before being replaced, and now you have Courtois, who I believe should be sold. Should be sold in January. Wow. Just get him sold. Out. Yes, just get him out. <laughs> who, Find a replacement. Anyone would be better. Bring back Kelo Navas, maybe? <laughs> well, uh, if PSG are willing to let him go. Cheeky I mean, Kelo Navas, you know? Cheeky Kelo Navas. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, for the next game, I'll just go with the draw. A draw? Yeah, I'd be a little bit optimistic. But again, this is Shakhtar Donetsk is not as big a, a team as Inter so I don't think Real Madrid are going to show up <laughs> oh yeah that's the problem <laughs> that's the problem I mean that's the the fear they give they give me but I'll, I'll go with a two all draw two all draw two all draw for the next game and the next uh, league game against Sevilla Real Madrid will win that by a hair's margin bro oh, wow yep 1-0 1-0 1-0 for Sevilla. Madrid yeah Wow, I mean... I think that's pretty fair. I, I think so. Yeah, I think if Real Madrid are going to beat Sevilla, it's going to be a 1-0. It's probably, pro- probably a penalty in the, in the 80th minute. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Barcelona's next two games are, are kind of, uh, you know, meh. It's uh, Ferran Varos in the Champions League away from home. No, I'm that sorry. I'm sorry. I butchered that name. You butchered that name. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that team and uh, Qadish in the league. So... Uh, tricky games away from home or are they at home? Yeah, they're away from home. It's it's uh, two away games, but easy games. I they think should for be Barcelona. easier. Yeah. They should with, be with the recent uh, form of the team uh, coming mm-hmm. in with two four nil wins back to back, these two games should be a walk in the park for Barca. It's just I want Messi rested for this next Champions League game again. Uh, I think we should be thinking about preserving Messi for the rest of the season. And, uh, yeah, uh, rest him in the Champions League game, uh, play him in the league game because it's, it's it's not a big team we're playing against, but it's a tricky away fixture in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. I would prefer if Messi is, uh, you know, fully fit for, for that game. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if our teams keep up. <laughs> exactly. Griezmann's form uh, this week, spectacular. Hope he continues. Dembele came off the bench, uh, almost scored, but the goal was ruled off offside. <laughs> and again, again, it goes to show uh, Griezmann performed better uh, in the last game because we had a proper number nine up front with Braithwaite playing. Mm-hmm. The moment Braithwaite was removed from the pitch, the moment you saw Griezmann go back to his old ways, yeah. disappearing from the game and his impact lessening. Messi had a fantastic game. Uh, I honestly, um, I couldn't hold myself when, when he took off the shirt. Uh, that moment was... Just, that was a very beautiful moment. It was a heartwarming moment, honestly. Mm-hmm. And and the the thing is with Messi this season, he hasn't been performing uh, as good as he usually does by his ridiculous high standards. Mm-hmm. But the way, the way he came in this game, mm-hmm. the way he came in, the attitude that he had in this game, you can tell on the, on, like, from the look on his face before the game... He was coming in to score today. He, he was, you he, know, had to. he had that shirt under him, and he mm-hmm. was gonna show that shirt. Mm-hmm. There is no way you're stopping Messi from scoring today. And when he did score it, he just celebrated with the team casually, celebrated with the rest of his teammates, and basically there was this brief moment where he was like, "Okay, let me do my thing now." And 
he does that and I just wish I just wish that moment uh, we, we had fans you know he got a yellow card though you know. which uh, I think is inappropriate uh, I mean it's the, the rules are the rules you can't change them but, yeah but, but surely there should be some leeway the first referee to do that is gonna receive some love some mm. mad love from football fans mm-hmm. the first referee to not give a yellow card for something like this yeah, but, but it's not just the, the yellow card that's the problem uh, Barcelona is going to be fined around 3,000 euros for, for the gesture apparently because of the advertisement uh, yeah, on again, the shirt Yamaha, Yamaha the biggest winners yeah. yesterday <laughs> uh, completely out of you know the, the best way to advertise is basically. to not advertise uh-huh. on purpose <laughs> basically <laughs> But yeah, fantastic moment, heartwarming moment. The way that Messi just looked like he was gonna get that goal, it was. It, I think the way that he was playing yesterday, it felt like it was his national duty to score that goal mm-hmm. yesterday. He was not gonna let this game without scoring that goal and pulling off that celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego meant a lot to him, and obviously, massive inspiration on Messi's career. Without a Diego Maradona, there would not be Lionel Messi, in my opinion. I have a different opinion. Who? I rank as the best of all time and we all know who that is for me at least uh, it's messy if you don't know <laughs> but of course we have to acknowledge Diego's significant impact on Messi's career without Diego there would not be a Messi and you think yeah mm-hmm. I don't think there would have been a Messi without Diego it's and it's, it's funny because Argentina have like three of the most you know, generational players of all time, the three greatest, mm-hmm. uh, Maradona, Messi, Di Stefano. And it's it's uh, crazy how this nation continues to produce icons of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's other nations that have produced uh, legends of the game as well, but to produce these three, uh, something special, honestly. But yeah, uh, interesting week uh, with Barca Real. Uh, hopefully uh, the season picks up. Hopefully we get to see fans back in stadium soon. And hopefully, Mahrez continues to get minutes. Hopefully, yeah. That's, yeah. All you can, that's all you can pray for. Interesting week. Interesting week of events. Uh, unfortunate events. Um, precious moments that will forever remain in, in football's history. But yeah, thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of Football Talks by Abdullah and my co-host Amin. We'll it's a catch pleasure. It. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking about Barcelona, Real Madrid every week. <laughs> 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 Anyways, uh, I hope you have a nice day. Um, please make sure to check out uh, our social media, Football Talks, uh, both on Instagram and Twitter. Give us your reactions uh, to these episodes. Uh, feedback is majorly uh, appreciated. Bye-bye. Aparece Diego Armando Maradona.